0: You're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Well, howdy, folks. Welcome back to Prairie Justice, the Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast, the most unfungible podcast east of the Rocky Mountains, and the one podcast dedicated to a modern day cowboy superhero if your definition of a modern day is the early days of the second world war i am ranger Gord. i am your host and this is the show that documents the uh, the career uh... at least a four color career in comic books of greg saunders a dc comics action hero also known as the vigilante and uh, we've been documenting his uh... adventures Since his first appearance in 1941, and we're well into 1942, and I think we're coming towards the end of 1942 as we speak. And today, we're going to speak about uh, Action Comics number 55, which is going to give us the story, Bullets for Breakfast so before we get going i think we'll just slide right into it and uh let's hear from a podcast promo and then straight into business
1: the justice league wouldn't help him so batman formed a new team they are the outsiders we are the outsiders
0: covering Mike W. Barr's series into its third year where change is in the air. A new member joins, an original member leaves, old and new threats, and the deadliest man alive. Oh, and more puns. The Outcasters is a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us under the Right On Network. That's W-R-I-G-H-T on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, TheHuntersPodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at Bat Outcasters. Join the Outcasters Because to live outside the law, you must be honest. Okay, we're getting into Action Comics number 55. And our story by penciler Mort Meskin, anchor George Russo's. And a writer and scripter who we have no idea of and we probably never will. Probably a combination of Meskin and or Russo's or any editorial uh, contributions therein. We still have that mystery about us. But, you know what, we're just going to carry on because I think we've got a, eh, not too bad a story here today. Uh, Action Comics number 55 and... um, December 1942 so you think we're just about out of 1942 but we're wrong because that was the cover date not the on sale date the on sale date was actually October 16th and it was a monthly comic 10 cents and 64 pages and edited by the incomparable Frederick Whitney Ellsworth And of course October of 1942 was a busy time for the war the Battle of Riz ended up in uh, Soviet operational failure Australian commandos executed the raid on Mobu in New Guinea uh, upon Japanese uh, forces there. Oh, we had the British light cruiser Kurokwa. Ah, man. Karakwa Not the great day for pronunciations. Sadly, collided with the troop transport Queen Mary off the coast of Ireland, one of the Royal Navy's worst accidental losses of the war. British forces also captured uh, Antsirabe in Madagascar. The Hollywood Canteen opened in Hollywood, California that was uh, operated and staffed completely by volunteers from the entertainment industry in order to uh, give a little bit of morale support to Allied servicemen and women in uniform who were passing through California at the time. Uh, The German 14th Panzer Corps attacked the Stalingrad tractor factory. And Hermann Göring made a speech in Berlin to mark the end of the harvest announced that Germany's food situation will get better since we now possess huge stretches of fertile land. Um, Except, uh, Hermann, that was not your land that you took over. The St. Louis Cardinals defeated the New York Yankees in the World Series. And, uh, one thing that was very interesting to me was 400, uh, prisoners of war in Bowmanville, Ontario, in a POW camp here in Canada, uh, barricaded themselves as a protest for the shackling of 126 other prisoners. That was a reprisal for, uh, the, uh, the Canadian, uh, the abortive Canadian raid and massacre at Dieppe in France. So, uh. Wartime fun and games uh, between uh, Canadian troops and the German POWs there. The Allied leaders agreed on Operation Flagpole, which was a plan to secure the cooperation of the Vichy French officers in French North Africa, uh, get them out of the, the German sphere. And the Allies took preliminary steps towards setting up a commission to investigate war crimes that they didn't really even know anything about yet. And we had the debut of Mighty Mouse in the animated short film, The Mouse of Tomorrow. And Mr. Fun and Games himself, Adolf Hitler, issued the commando order stating that all allied commandos captured by German forces will be killed immediately without trial if they are not in uniform. And U.S. Vice Admiral William Halsey replaced Robert Gormley as commander of the South Pacific area for the U.S. Navy. And a B-17 that was carrying World War I veteran Eddie Rickenbacker to conduct an inspection tour of U.S. Air Force facilities in the Pacific and to deliver a message to Douglas MacArthur, went missing en route from Hawaii to Canton Island. And the crew got lost and uh, after 21 days would be rescued. And again back in Hollywood, the film Flying Tigers starring John Wayne was released. Now, elsewhere in this issue, Action Comics 55, of course, uh, Vigilante's warm-up act. Superman takes the cover, wherein he is uh, assisting the U.S. Air Force uh, with putting a uh, engine on uh, one one of its bombers. When the cover art by the great Jack Burnley, and in the main action in the story it's a goof named tiny roof a jerry siegel story penciler john sekella and uh, what we have here is uh, amongst the story is superman displays the ability to twist his facial features in the story allowing him to alter his physical faire- appearance although he used this ability a few other times in the golden age um, It is not considered to be one of his powers although i suppose you could uh list it as one of the earth 2 superman's powers but uh the use of it here is probably apocryphal to the general superman canon had this continued to be one of his powers we probably could have discounted the entire run of the 1960s lois lane series Other features include the three aces, our our aviator characters who are now ensconced with the American military. Mr. America, formerly Tex Thompson, who is now doing missions as the American commando in Escape from the Scaffold. The great Congo Bill, who encounters a modern-day Robinson Crusoe. And, of course, Zatanna's dad, Zatara, in Crimes by Coincidence. So let's head back to our main feature when Greg Sanders and Stuff encounter an old friend of Greg's from back in the Wyoming Plains, June Rosalind, whose restaurant in somewhere around New York City is threatened by a racketeer by the name of Rant Krolax. Now, as she's an old friend of Alec Greg Sanders. Uh, Saunders and Krolox are going to be uh, meeting up with each other and it's not going to be a good time for anyone. Except for us because we get to hear this story. And now, I hope everyone's had a good swallow of coffee because it's time to have bullets for breakfast. Definitely not the best part of waking up. Page 1. The Vigilante by Mort Morton Jr. and Inky Russo's. In a harshly lit bistro, the vigilante and stuff are sitting at a table reserved for adventure when they are approached by a bizarre waiter offering a hospitality of horror. How's your appetite for trouble? On the menu for today we have slugger soup, stab in the back stick, gangsters garnished with pineapples and tommy guns, and a choice of desserts ranging from sneak thievery to murder, and also. BULLETS FOR BREAKFAST. Page two. Life is not all gild and glamour, and even such glittering personalities as the prairie troubadour and the Chinatown kid must eat occasionally. I thought you'd never get done canoodling, and me drooling with starvation. Now, how about an order at that hamburger joint? I'll do better than that stuff. I'll treat you to some real cowboy cooking from the purple sage country. You see, this little girl, June Rosalind, grew up next door to my folks out on the prairies. You ain't double-crossing me, are you, Greg? You ain't falling for a female, are you? Don't be silly. June is just a friend. The vigilante isn't going all sentimental on you. For a minute I was so scared I almost lost my appetite. Greg wheels his roadster into the circular driveway of the sombrero. A brim of a restaurant that is shaped like, you guessed it, a Mexican sombrero hat. Greg Saunders, it's about time you got out to see me. June, you're looking swell. I want you to meet my pal, Stuff. Uh-oh, she's good looking. I'm getting scared again. Wrestle us up a pair of bear steaks or something. How's business, anyway? To tell the truth, Greg, it hasn't been so good lately. For a while, everything was going grand. Then, Rant Krolax, who used to run nightclubs in this town, opened up the Silver Saddle restaurant right across the road. But with the big rodeo right nearby, isn't there enough business for both of you? That's right, there should be, but something hender-handed is going on. Last night, somebody broke my windows, and the tires of two of my customers were punctured. Now other customers are staying away. I don't like to accuse Rant Crolax of trying to ruin my business, but What's the matter with me? I'm going soft myself. Page three. Meanwhile, fierce eyes outside the window view the distressing scene from within, and are not impressed. She's making a skork against us. Watch me make her skulk real loud. Take it easy, Alfie. That must be one of the cowpunchers from the rodeo, and I hear they're tough. Can't you know nothing, mugga? It's that imitation cowboy croon at the Prairie Troubadour. Nobody's scared of him. Oh, that dude. Do away, and I'll go slash the tires of his car. What do you think, partner? Maybe it's time for the vigilante to rat herd on those vermints. Don't be sappy. Women are always dreaming of fairy tales. i bet there ain't nothing to it. Ow! Or is there? There certainly is. Come on, Stuff, let's open up a second front against those thugs. I'm right behind you, but I almost got my head opened up. And keep away from that sombrero joint, or you'll get really hot. They're taking it on the lamb. Well, i put the spurs to this gas buggy. Uh-oh! I'm afraid it'll be a long time before we get new shoes. Our tires are flat. Maybe not, Greg. Maybe it'll be a short war, and they'll give you a new set of tires in a couple of years. Page four. (gasps) I was so happy, so sure of success, until these things started happening. How do you like that? I get conked and she does the ballin'. I might as well close up shop and go back home to Wyoming. A failure. And let Rent Crowax buy the sombrero for next to nothing and make a big profit in both places I won't stand for it. Just sit tight and leave it to us. We'll fix things. Oh Greg I really believe you mean it. Hey, ain't we even going to eat? Craig and stuff stride off to meet Rant Kolax, walking by the rodeo tent along the way. At least we could get a hot dog and a bottle of pop in that rodeo tent. Tighten your belt. Maybe we'll grab a bite at Rant Kolax's silver saddle just beyond. And maybe not. The Silver Saddle is just as it seems, a restaurant shaped like a giant saddle, with a brightly lit atrium beneath the horn and pommel. Wow, we'll never get into that joint. Look at that mob and the line ups outside. If I can see one certain party out of the whole herd, I'll be satisfied. Sorry, sir. There were no more empty tables. But I only want... A moment, Miss Gladys. We can't turn away an important customer like Mr. Greg Saunders. Have somebody else thrown out. Mr. Saunders, I am Rant Crolax, the proprietor. Come right in and... I only want to speak to you a moment, Crolax. Help, he only wants to speak. And me perish in a hunger. Page five. My young friend and I stopped a few minutes ago at a little place down the road, called the Sombrero. Ah yes, the Sombrero. A charming little place run by a charming little lady. A Miss Roslyn, I believe. Well, what of her? She's having trouble. Hoodlums are frightening her, damaging her property, driving away her customers. A terrible shame. But what can I, a simple businessman, do about it? And why should a large celebrity like you worry about a little thing like the sombrero and Miss Rosalind? It appears that while there's more than enough business for two restaurants, someone is trying to hog it all. And you think that I have something to do with that? Uh, Listen, mister, I have influence around here. I'm not standing for no accusations get it Abruptly What's the matter, boss? Is this dude asking for the business? So Crowlax is your boss. The badger had conked me. Now I know I'm not gonna eat here. I always wanted to slap a crin as croon and back down his throat Why you big dear Please gentlemen gentlemen, don't beat them up. Just toss them out of the silver cell. Now, Mr. Sanders, I trust you will not go to the police about this. You phony cowboy. Not if you know what's good for you. Uh, I won't go to the police, Mr. Croax. Police, Gregg? Just one punch? Sometimes I'm ashamed of you, Gregg. You better snap into your vid, Jack, you quick, before I lose my respect. It won't be long, Stuff. I'm starting to get mad. Set page six. But first I want to find out where our strong arm friends are heading in such a hurry. Golly, maybe they're going back over to the sombrero. They're, they're going to the rodeo tent, but the show's just ending. I've got a hunch we're just about to learn the secret of Rant Croax's big crowds as the departing crowd flows toward the highway looky 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 the champion steer wrestler the champion roper the champion pistol shot and they all eat it at the silver saddle come along and see step right up to the silver saddle i want to go eat there pop can we can we pop huh huh can we I'm not hungry after those hot dogs, but why not? But the varmints aren't mentioning that they eat free. And probably get a big cash bribe besides. Anyhow, they eat. But maybe we will too, now that we're going into a song and dance. A thrust of powerful limbs. And the startled spectators are treated to a surprise appearance of the Vigilante. Just a minute, folks. Those people are talking big, but I've got something real to show you. First, let me demonstrate how to get rid of coyotes. Page seven. Before the hoodlums hit the ground. And now a simple demonstration of roping on the fly. I'm Hemp Hastings, world's champion lariat twister, but I ain't never seen anything like that what that vigilante's doing. This is easy, because the target isn't moving. But I'm sure shot shoot. But I'd hate to have to do that every day. I don't see any steers around, or I'd wrestle a few just to keep my hand in. Easy to say, hombre. But we got a mean bram of steer called Horned Homicide that not even me, Rassler Rossin can handle. Horned homicide, however, is no meaner, no more homicidal, than the men who even now are raising the bars of his special stall. The vigilante might be tough, but he ain't half as tough as them this ton of mud on. know if. They say this steer has killed 11 men who tried to ride him. The Brama steer, firing away the most vicious of four-footed Texas tornadoes, rampages with thunderous hoofs and death tip horns towards the unsuspecting crowd. <laughs> Panic spreads on wings of terror through the milling hundreds. It's Horned homicide! He's gotten out of his pen! What'll we do? He's on the loose! I'd know what to do if he was sliced up into steaks. Mm-hmm. Help! It'll kill us. A woman trips and falls. Mama! Mm-hmm. Mama! They'll all be killed. Bullets can't stop that critter. Mm-hmm. I don't aim to use bullets. Mm-hmm. A lightning leap. Time to the split second and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm rawhide tough muscles wrench the beast's neck swerving it from the fallen woman and the frightened child closer than I like to think about now I've got to stop this thunderbolt before it hits for others a mighty tussle of man and monster thrills the odd throngs as they have never been thrilled before got to stick like a bird you got to hook one of his horns into the earth. Finally. There. Now we know all the answers. Fidge. Gee. Uh, Golly. I mean, we, You done it, Fidge. Get her open. Hobble his legs. Moments later. Hooray for the vigilante. Speech. Speech. I went to all this trouble just to let you folks know that I don't eat at any racketeer's place. I eat at a fine little place called the Sombrero right across the way. Fidge, you make me and my pals plumb ashamed we fell for that chuck wagon racket of the silver saddle. Forget it, Rawson. You boys didn't know it was run by a racketeer. Such is hero worship. A mass march of customer moves on June Rosalind's empty little eatery. Me for a steak off a tenderer steer than that one. At the sombrero. Can we go too, pal? Hop, 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 hop. I want to eat with the vigilantes. So do I, son. So do I. With all that mob, we'll never get a tumble at the sombrero. Me for a smoldering puppy. But Kralax and his murderous henchmen are not yet ready to give up. We are not beaten yet. The crowd can't eat at the sombrero if the restaurant isn't there five minutes from now, can they? We have the car loaded with dynamite, haven't we? If we can run it right into the joint just ahead of the crowd, we can keep on mining gold out of the silver saddle. Eh? My own ears wouldn't go playing tricks on me. A minute ago, I thought my gimmick was the most important thing in the world. But I guess I was only hoping. Now I got a warn veg. In seconds. And they already started off to do the job. Great Scott. If that state trooper over there knew what we have in time to tell him, he wouldn't mind us borrowing his tin bronc. What? Who? Halt in the name of the law! Don't get apoplexy. We're doing you a favor. An ominous black sedan rolls down the highway at a sedate pace. Only to start gathering speed as an agile figure leaps from the running board. Are you sure you aimed it straight at the sombrero? We don't want all of that dynamite wasted and trouble from the police. Besides, look for yourself boss. Faster, faster hurdles the death-laden car. Straight for the quaint structure within which a troubled girl waits hoping desperately for good news. Far behind, a tiny machine streaks like a comet onto the highway. That's it ahead, but we're too late. We can't catch it in time. We've got to catch it. If only we can get up past 90 miles an hour. Can even the mighty vigilante save the courageous hometown girl he pledged himself to aid. The margin squeezes narrower. Oh I can't bear to look. Take over while I get off, stuff. Fids, don't don't do it. You you can't make it. A flying leap. A quick wrench at the wheel. Then. It's no use. I can't swing it back to the road in time. We're gonna hit, and June is gonna die with us. Sometimes, however, a last desperate effort. A belated flash of inspiration brings about another chance. Unless uh, that's it, the ramp. It goes clear around the building. Uh, it wasn't built for cars doing 85. Whoops, there goes a the fender. Rubbing elbows with death does not always mean dying. It can't kill you, can the old pal? I don't know. Steering gear broken. Out of control. He's heading right straight for a tree. And there's nothing I can do about it. Even a hard-boiled boy like the Chinatown kid has a right to cry when his heart is broken. Please tell me what happened to Greg. Please, Stuff. <laughs> just, all <tell> your fault. Fu- <laughs> we should have stayed away. <laughs> the next instant... You! What do you want? Since the vigilante kept us from blowing up your joint... We figured we'd break up whatever we could anyway. You rotten murderers. Killing the best pal a kid ever had. I'll fix you for that. Page 12. As Trigger figures tense for wanton killing, none sees a slender noose. Hiss sneak like through. Bullets and no bullets. I'll land a couple of punches for my partner. No stuff. No! Come and get it! Suddenly, I'll take those and give you Sidewinder something in return. Yo! Huh? A, g- a, ghost. a ghost? It's me, all right. I jumped out before the explosion, like this. Yo! Yippee! Feels so good. I gotta show it somehow. Ow! I saved you for dessert, you cheap racketeer. But not because you were the sweetest. Oof! With Krolax and company in hand, Vigilante's thoughts turned back to June and the cafe. Greg Saunders sent me, ma'am. Said you were having a little trouble. Well, you won't any more. I knew Greg would do something. How can I ever repay you? That's easy. How about a pair of sizzling steaks? Mmm, yeah. With french fries and apple pie and ice cream and... I'm sorry. Because business was so bad, I ordered very little stock. And I've sold out of the last food in the place. Oh, even the Chinatown kid can only stand so much. Goodbye, cruel world. Send me daffodils, bitch. But don't worry, folks. We'll have stuff back in his feet as chesty as ever to ride the trouble trail with the new champion of champions, the Vigilani. Follow him as they open a second front against crime in the next issue of Action Comics. Well, let's leave Greg and Vigilani and June to catch up with old times over at Greg Saunders Rodeo Radio, and uh, let's allow stuff to finally get a bite to eat at uh, CW McCall's old home filler up and keep on a truck and cafe.
1: Well interstate eighty we is cutting the fog just me and old Sloan. Old Sloan's my dog we had a eighteen wheeler with ten on the floor and stereo laying a strip. Then we spied a sign that says, eat gas now. Nah, we decided to whip in and pick up some chow at the old home, filler up, and keep on a truckin' cafe. Oh, the old fill her up, and keep on the, truckin the old fill her up. lookin' for Mavis. The old fill her up, and keep on the truckin cafe. Now, I've been every place between here and South Sioux, and we've seen us a truck stop waitress or two, but this gal's built like a burlap bag full of bobcats. She's got it together. Well she filled my tank I said thank you honey Name was Mavis I gave her the money Old Sloan just sat there watching and the wagging and wishing. I says you wait in the truck boy Then I went inside She says what'll it be I says a cup of your best And a number three She come back with an order to go And a quart of hot sea And a bone for Sloan I said much obliged Old Sloan give a bark I left her a buck And he left his heart And the old home filler up And keep on a truckin' cafe Oh the old home Well Saturday night and we was trucking along, yeah, me and old Sloan was not getting it on. I said, Sloan, I've been thinking on a getting up a courage and tonight's the night. Well I popped the clutch, gave tranny spin, took the BB Town ramp and slid on in to the old home filler up and keep on a truckin' cafe. All oh, the old home filler up and keep on a truckin on the old home filler up. It never closes. The old home filler up and keep on a- Well, I got me stool, took a load off my shoes, made Mavis an offer that she couldn't refuse, and says, how'd you like to go for a ride with me and old Sloan and just had my truck washed? She allowed us out, sounded like a whole lot of fun, but we was gonna have to wait until the dishes was done, and was it all right with me if she brought along her mother as a chaperone? I said, why not? Well, we geared that tranny into super low, and the four of us went to see a picture show. Yeah, I took them to the drive-in theater over Bapisga to see True Grit. I saw the late, late show, old Sloan hit the sack, and then along about 2 o'clock I hauled him on back to the old home filler up and keep on the, cafe. Oh, the old home, up, and cafe. <onsieur> Eight stools oh, and a promise. The they got a real nice place there.
0: The great C. W. McCall with the old home feller. Well, I think you heard got the title by now. Believe it or not, that was C. W. McCall's debut song. I know most people think about him as Convoy, but uh, C. W. had a bit of an accidental career. See, he actually started uh, as Bill Freeze, a midwestern advertising executive, when he got. A, uh, a challenge for an account for a series of radio spots or TV spots rather uh, for the old home bread company. And uh, so Freeze's company came up with a, a series of commercials that were sort of uh, a, uh, a serial sort of a thing where one part of uh, is, uh, the uh, fictional romance between uh, a bread truck driver and a female cafe owner um, started to play out and i guess when they needed somebody to sing the song uh, bill freeze checked up on himself and uh, the uh, the radio the tv spots were so successful they decided to release the song Uh, bill wasn't the singer as you can probably realize he's more of a a walk and talk sort of a fellow with instrumentations in behind so he gave himself the uh, sobriquet of C.W. McCall. And, of course, in uh, 1976, uh, the old home filler-up cafe was sort of forgotten as uh, the rest of the world heard his uh, largest ever hit, Convoy. And uh, Convoy, unfortunately, has taken a bit of a hit in the last few years with the pandemic, especially in Canada, as a number of people that, uh, let's just say people I don't agree with, took up that, uh, mantle, um, for ways to attack government and, uh, pandemic restrictions, and, um, and they just keep at it. So I'm not going to say too much more about it other than in the midst of that. Um, we actually did lose C.W. McCall last year, and, uh, I just wanted to pay tribute to a, A singer that I somewhat of our grew up with and uh, I always enjoyed his novelty songs and uh, we should probably do more of this on Greg Saunders rodeo radio because he had it wasn't all trucking songs with this man he had some fairly uh, substantial songs including one that was very very prophetic that he released In the same year as Convoy, but didn't get uh, quite as much release. And it was called No More Country Music. And uh, it it has had a very serious message and a theme. And has proved to be very, very prophetic over the last 40 to 50 years. And how, how CW thought that the world was headed. And now my thoughts and analysis on Bullets for Breakfast. You've seen this plot before. You probably have seen it many times through the 1980s, especially on shows like A-Team. The hero comes into town, encounters some woman who runs a business, in this case a restaurant. And sometimes they might even be acquainted. And of course they run into the old, uh, there's a rival that wants to run them out of business. So this, in many ways, is is kind of a a different sort of a plot for Vigilani. Uh, Rat Crolax isn't much of a threat to Vigilani. We get no death traps, so there's no more magic spur action. Sorry, Dave McIlvaney. But we do get some interesting things, such as Poor Stuff, who is thinking first about his stomach and second about his feelings for greg saunders and he gets a little bit jealous when he thinks that june rosalind might be beaten his time as a friend and sorry stuff you'll understand here in a few years i'm sure a tough boy like you is going to hit puberty pretty soon and you'll figure it all out there's a somewhat of a dick sprang kind of relationship and i don't even want to call it an homage because it might even uh predate what's what sprang used to do in the batman and robin uh series with uh comic book series i should say with gigantic this that's and the others Uh, because we have a june roslin runs a restaurant shaped like a giant sombrero now there's a bit of architecture for you and of course cross the way competitor rant crolax he runs a restaurant shaped like a saddle but the way uh mort meskin draws these they all kind of make sense especially the silver saddle cafe uh it's just it just looks so gorgeous it's it's got these big atrium windows in the front where you can see the lights and uh if if you want to know actually what a saddle shaped building looks like google the calgary saddle dome uh, probably also known as the Olympic Saddle Dome in Calgary, where the NHL team, the Calgary Flames, play. And they might only be there for a few years, so I don't know how much longer that rink is going to be there. But in 1988, uh, the Calgary Saddle Dome was built uh, to ho- as part of the uh, hosting of the, the 1988 Olympics, and it does have that great big suede roof. But I don't imagine Rant Krolak quite... Uh, runs a uh, 40,000 seat uh, restaurant. But what we seem to have, and I have no indication that we're not still back east. We don't really say whether we're in New York or where we are. Um, but apparently uh, there seems to be a permanent rodeo going on and and this is enough of a, a draw that uh, two restaurants can set up on either side of it just to draw up all of the business now in the 1940s rodeo i think nationally was probably a bigger sport than it is now now in the western states today it's a highly competitive sport and there are indoor arenas just all over the place most of the small towns have indoor arenas now and of course it's uh it's much more fun even in the uh in the summertime when you can go to uh, uh to the outdoor arenas um be able to chew on a hot dog in the dust as uh, somebody's throwing a manure laden air into the uh, thrown up by Bronx and Bulls. In fact, there is both an indoor and an outdoor arena uh, not far from where I'm sitting recording this this podcast here in Alberta. Big rodeo here looks to be uh, as part of a, uh, a very large circus tent. So I have no idea what the permanence is of this radio of this rodeo, but apparently it is enough to, uh, to attract, uh, some business around to, uh, give that ancillary feelings or people to go grab a bite to eat before or after they go to the show. And of course, rant, Crowlax, um, being the mobster racketeer that he is, as Greg Sanders puts it, um, wants that business all to himself even if he has to run poor old june Roslyn right out of the uh the business no matter how he has to do it uh through the mobster tactics of slashing tires right on up to trying to actually blow up her restaurant with a car full of dynamite and of course see rant gets the rodeo cowboys in on this act he uh feeds them for free as long as they promote his cafe the silver saddle and tries to keep everybody else out of the sombrero which is uh, virtually putting Roslyn out of business and some good action here uh but uh, not all typical i mean rant crolax as i said isn't much of a a villain just a small time cheap hood and uh doesn't even really have good uh Good henchmen working for him Alfie and mugger but nonetheless there is good vigilante action and this is probably one of the first times that we've seen vigilante sort of in his own element as he uh, does what is called bulldogging a steer now meskin draws this steer a lot bigger than he probably should be he calls him a two thousand pound steer now uh, most steers don't get to that point in time unless you're going to use them as pulling oxen Um, i always say the difference between a bull and a steer is whether he misses the uh, the things between his legs and at one point in time he missed the sex that comes from it most bulls uh, go to that length of time for breeding and bull riding in the 1940s wasn't really a much of an event i don't think that it really came into its own until probably in the 1950s Uh, bull riding on a ranch isn't a a real cowboy skill it's more of a daredevil act and the early rodeos were meant more on cowboy skills such as riding bucking roping riding and riding a bucking horse or uh, riding a horse really fast in, say, a relay sort of uh, situation. Now, why would we have a steer around and why would we be wrestling? Well, that goes back, uh, actually, to some of the early days of uh, Wild West shows. One of the legends is that there was an Oklahoma cowboy, uh, an African-American man, a black cowboy, by the name of Bill Pickett who at one point in time uh had a steer like about a 1200 or a thousand pound steer come after him the the steer knew he had had horns and decided to take it run at bill bill was a fairly large man and apparently he got in behind was able to grab it by both horns one on each hand and as a powerful man that he was was able to twist it to the ground And that was the start of what was known as bulldogging and is today known as the event of steer wrestling, which is actually done by jumping off the back of a horse and giving you some leverage. And I'd have to say, unless you are actually a fairly thick man of about 250 pounds, do not try this at home, kids. It's a very dangerous thing. And um, some of you are probably thinking, well, this is probably a little bit brutal to the animal not as brutal as it is to the guy trying to do the wrestling and uh, all i can say is don't knock it until you've seen it and i've there's not many steers that are ever injured in this thing there if you've ever been around cattle uh, their necks are like rubber and uh, it's a bit of a challenge and for the animals themselves you have to remember that they are bred and trained and brought up to do this competition as well so it's part of their uh, their training and some of their meaning in life as well many of you will not agree Uh, i'm just saying that as somebody who's been informed I've i've been brought up around cattle i'm not a rodeo competitor never have been never will be i have enough broken things thanks to animals and uh but I I can see what it is that why people do be are concerned about the animals in a rodeo but uh, folks you just need to be just a little bit more informed is all I'm going to say and I'll leave it at that but if you are concerned about the animal let's consider the poor car that took took one for the sombrero in this uh in this story and uh, that though that old coupe was probably clipping i couldn't even say what a make it was or if Met meskin even was trying to imitate to draw anything more than just a typical sort of a roadster with uh four fenders and uh i feel for vigilante when he had to jump off of that motorbike oh another stolen motorbike we should also make probably make a uh competition out of vigilante stolen motorbikes over the years uh, these are not power steering cars folks and armstrong steering or, or steering without a power the uh, assistance of a power steering pump these things are very difficult to steer and you have to realize Vidge was standing on the running boards while he was doing it so he was but all he could do and let's, let's remember, he had just finished bulldogging a steer a few moments ago just to try to steer, uh, to negotiate this car, which uh, by the captions was going about 85, 90 miles per hour around the, uh, around the ramp that is the brim of the Sombrero restaurant. And uh, negotiating it into that tree, just as as the dynamite exploded, well, that's just the stuff of, uh, oh, look, I made it funny there. That's just the stuff of adventure. All in all, a very fast-paced uh, sort of uh, story. Uh, there's a hint of romance, possibly, but really it's more friendship between Greg Saunders and his old friend June Roslin. Who presumably can now order some steaks as the silver saddle is probably sold at public auction after uh, Rant Krolax and his cronies go to jail. A few comments. Greg Sanders finally, or vigilante rather, Greg Sanders as vigilante, finally gets to pull his gun for once uh, just to do a bit of trick shooting at the rodeo. Uh, fashion alert. Greg is wearing a tan hat this time. And Stuff's uh, costume, uh, or clothing, as it were, seems to be stabilizing. He's uh, wearing his red pagoda hat, which actually, by this point, Meskin is drawing more to look like a sailor hat. He's also wearing a red shirt, white pants, and some kind of uh, boot that is yellow so uh well stuff i can't say much for your uh, color coordination but i just i love stuff more with every uh with everything he's just a just a great character who is just loud and rambunctious and not scared of a darn thing but uh very very emotional young man but he's got the fighting ability to back up his big mouth. Okay, now for a little bit of feedback from uh, previous shows. I'm almost a little bit lost uh, in uh, where our feedback has been coming back and forth because of the uh, extended mega of the Seven Soldiers of Victory and the fact that I was kind of a lost for a little bit uh, trying to wrap up Vigilante's minimal role in the All-Star Squadron stories, which uh, resulted in uh, yet another couple of episodes. Uh, but at any rate, I think I'm going to save the comments for the Seven Soldiers of Victory stories for the next loop when I we get to the next uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory uh, arc, as it were. And uh, I think the only letter I have right now, though, uh, in that re- other than that regard would be from Dave McIlvaney in his email when he's discussing one of my, uh, the wrap-up of uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory and sort of the denouement of their uh, their very last uh, recurring arc. And he, Dave writes, Greetings, Ranger Gord. As I recall when I read these stories, as they came out, and we're talking about 1986, I, back to Dave again, was less enthralled by them, which was a disappointment, because overall I enjoyed Roy Thomas's work with the All Star Squadron characters. I don't know if it was my general dissatisfaction with the Crisis on Infinite Earth and its ongoing denouement, or if Mr. Thomas was running out of steam a bit. Things did perk up a little when I saw the name Rotwang, but that didn't happen until issue number 60 which was pretty much the end of things for the All-Star Squadron, at least in original stories. Ultimately, I think they deserved a better finale. Thanks, as always. Live long and prosper. Dave McIlvaney Thank you, Dave. And yes, I. the way All-Star Squadron came out of Crisis made me kind of wonder why they did the Crisis since uh, the success of... New Teen Titans, Legion of Superheroes under Levitz and Giffen, All-Star Squadron, and the Outsiders under uh, Barr and Aparo, were some of the reasons, I believe, why we went to Crisis. DC was trying to capitalize as people were starting to come over for Marvel and look at some of these characters. And they were, you know, people were hungry for teams, you know, with, with the success of X-Men and Avengers. And uh, when Crisis came along, it sure brought a lot of readers over. And it did, as I will always say, it sparked a great deal of creativity in the late 80s. But those uh, teams that s- sort of sparked the Crisis in the first place lost all of their gusto. as as their continuities were played with to the point of they were almost irrelevant and all-star squadron infinity inc and the uh, attempt to try to revive a post-crisis thing with young all-stars didn't quite light a fire into too many people's engines i think too much had been changed and um we didn't have an accompanying series to go with young all-stars to show what the rest of the group was doing so it was almost as if the, the group had ended and and i and pretty much spent a year petering out uh as it were and i've always felt bad for mr thomas and it'd be nice if somebody at dc and i've given up this hope but could ever pick up that torch go back to that 1942 era especially now that we're the multiverses now exist and carry on from that point but I've pretty much given up and sometimes you just can't put lightning back in the bottle and uh, that era from 1981 to 1985 really was lightning in a bottle for what would happen with uh, what was then considered earth to the all-star squadron the justice society and infinity inc so yes thanks for that letter dave and carrying on in that vein i have a small vigilante sightings in modern dc comics today and that is in um, the star girl miniseries that has come out recently entitled the lost children and the lost children does have a, an exciting premise it's basically uh courtney whitmore's attempt to bring a lot of the sidekicks out of DC continuity from that wartime era including a number that are retroactive okay I'm trying to make a verb and it's not working are part of the sort of retroactive continuity that Mr. Thomas would be proud of I think although Jeff Johns has a different spin in how he does it and of course it was also drawn by that uh that other great creator of stargirl uh todd knock who i'm now i'm not going to say too much about this story just because uh, there's just about anything i could possibly say about this rather extensive story that began uh, last fall and has continued through this spring is still very much in publication and i consider that a lot of people probably haven't read it yet so i'm just going to say spoilers and it'll probably be collected in trade it's only six issues so it'll probably be out i would imagine fairly soon probably late summer or the fall as as trade publications uh, schedules go uh this story also did feature a one of the sidekicks that is very essential to the seven soldiers of victory story and for me to say who that was would probably also probably spoil the broth so i'll just tell you pick it up have a look at it i have to say the story for myself wasn't a you know it probably wasn't the kind of story that uh I would be looking for in terms of reality it was a lot of cosmic and time shifting and a lot of timey-wimey things that uh, I I don't know just a lot of people standing around and a lot of waves coming back and forth Uh, I guess I do need to be fair and sit down and read it as the whole so I do have it sitting here on my iPad as I've subscribed to it through uh, whatever we call the mess that is comicsology these days And if you do want to hear a podcast uh, synopsis of it, uh, listen to Russell on his uh, Stop Let's Team Up uh, podcast series, which is a podcast series you should be listening to anyway because he loves that whole Earth 2 era. And yes, Greg Saunders did appear in both the first and the last issues of this uh, story, but they were more what I would call wallpaper appearances uh one was a flashback and the other one was just uh he appears at the end of the story doesn't get in lines doesn't do anything he's just sort of there in the background so it's probably not worth my covering at this point in time i will just put that into my chronology and uh If I ever get to that point, then maybe I'll take a closer look at it and closer look at the entire series as well. I'm not saying don't look at the series. I think it's actually pretty good. Um, Some of the the retroactive continuity that Jeff Johns is coming up with for these uh, lost sidekicks, which uh, doesn't include stuff, by the way, unfortunately. Uh, is, is very interesting. Sidekicks that you didn't know existed and sidekicks that uh, sort of have forgotten by continuity, shall we say. And I guess that's where I'll put it. Stargirl, the Lost Children miniseries. And the Justice Society of America miniseries is still playing out painfully, painfully, slowly. So I don't have much to say about that right now. So I think that's about all where where I'm going to leave it. Um, I'm going to, the next couple of podcasts are going to be uh, straight runs out of Action Comics. So we'll be doing Action 56 followed by Action 57 before we brave another Seven Soldiers of Victory Megasode. So, uh, adios amigos, and we will see you later. Oh, by the way, eat at the sombrero.
1: In the corner of a dark ballroom room Said an old cowboy singing western tune Singing songs that he learned as a child All about the west back when it was wild
0: So long, partners, you've been listening to Prairie Justice, the Greg Saunders Vigilante Podcast. All materials used in Prairie Justice are believed to be of fair use and remain the copyright of all copyright holders. Stories, images, and the character of Greg Saunders, the Vigilante, and all other characters used are the property of DC Comics and DC Entertainment. Feedback for Prairie Justice can be left on Facebook under the name Prairie Justice, the Greg Sanders Vigilante Podcast. Email, you can go to VigilanteCast at gmail.com. Website is roundup all one word, at .wordpress.com. And we sure hope to see you all back again for another ride with the Cowboy Crusader. Vaya con Dios, compadres,
1: eh? Because he's the last of a singing cowboy.